Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is the Longhorn Confidential. Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Kirk Bull, Cedric Golden. Guys, we have a jam-packed show today, so let's just let's skip the pleasantries. Let's get right into it. Uh, Kirk, me and you were in Manhattan, Kansas this past weekend to watch a 34-27 victory by the Longhorns. Kind of got rid of some of their road demons, uh, got rid of some of their demons against ranked teams. Didn't make it easy, but mm-hmm. let's kind of start there. Said Kirk, what were kind of your initial reactions Um to watching the Longhorns uh, pull that out. Said, you you were at the a and game as well, so you got to see one Texas team not do so well. But we'll talk about the Longhorns here. Uh, Said, we'll start with you. What did you think about the Longhorns pulling this one out? Surprised the hell out of me, Daniel. I picked <laughs> K-State to win by six. And, and it, Texas just, they looked so good in the first half, and it's just so weird because it's uh, 31-10, and... I'm and and the whole longer nation's going, yeah, and used to that, and so when they close the thirty, you know, when they close the thirty-one seventeen, that's the scary score, but they figure it out a way, and the second half struggles are still there, and 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 I know you're writing about that uh, this weekend, Daniel, um, but they won, and it's easier to coach them up, you can coach them a lot harder after a win and this may have been a a corner turner for them they may have turned a corner with this win they gutted it out and they got got the dub and that's all that matters yeah but they can't gloss over that second half malaise as you said i mean i mean they scored one field goal against kansas state one field goal against oklahoma state i think it was when we were at lubbock danny what was that two field goals in the second half one on the last play of the game by Burt Auburn. So, you know, almost three field goals, second half of three games. And they didn't score a whole lot against Alabama either, did they, in the second half. And obviously it was 2019 game. So I just, I, you know, I picked them to win just because I figured they're desperate. They're going to win. They're due. They're, and they looked as good as a top 10 team, I think, in that first half, uh, and K-State's a good team. They were ranked 13th, a tough place to play. Adrian Martinez, you know, was healthy and, and looked pretty good at times, but I, they couldn't have played any better in the first half. In the second half, all that offense went away, and it seemed like they just don't have that energy, that buzz offensively in the second half and just kind of pucker up. But I don't know, Danny, you, you think it's mostly mental or – is it play calling or what is it? I think you could probably check a lot of boxes. Um, Steve, when we talked to him on Monday, and I think it's Bijan and maybe Roshan mentioned this too, but there are some self-inflicted wounds. There are some dumb penalties and some, you know, pre-snap right. things that makes those second and five, second and tens. It makes things a little difficult, more difficult. Um, you know, the other defensive coordinators get paid money too. Um, and, you know, they've been able to make uh, make adjustments and that just Texas just hasn't. So I think, you know, it's a matter of Steve probably has to call some better plays. The players have to execute and not get those silly penalties. And, um, you know, also just, uh, I guess, keep, keep your foot foot on the gas. And, uh, you know, this is a team that's all gas, no brakes. And it seems to be, you know, in the second half, kind of putting on the brakes and being a little bit conservative. But we'll see if they can um, do that this upcoming Saturday. If they have a lead, um, the team that they're playing is a pretty good team. So I don't know if we can just assume Texas is going to be up by double digits in the second half. Um, TCU is coming to town. Texas with the win this past weekend moved to six and three overall, 
four and two in Big 12 play. They're now tied with uh, Baylor and Kansas State for second place in the standings. They control their own destiny. If they win out, they're going to be in the be in, be in the Big 12 championship game. Got up to number 18 in the um, AP poll. They're still 14 spots behind the team that's going to be in town this week, and that's TCU. TCU is 9-0, 6-0 in conference play off to its best start since that 2010 Rose Bowl season. Let's start with the Horned Frogs. Obviously a coaching change, and we'll talk plenty about that, but let's talk about the guy who's currently in Fort Worth, Sonny Dykes, um, coming up from, from SMU. He's done a really good job with this team. But what, what stands out about what Sonny's done? What is, like, the one thing that you look at and you're like, Man, that is a pretty good good job. He may not be the Big 12 coach of the year because of what's happening in Kansas, but um, let, let's talk about what Sonny's done. Um, Kirk, we'll start with you. Well, the offense has just been uh, dramatically improved, and that was part of Gary Patterson's problems when he was at Fort Worth. They, they were known for their defensive prowess and offense well, kind of hit or miss. And it's interesting that Max Duggan is just going – crazy he ranks 25th in the country 24 touchdowns two interceptions i mean that's those are heisman numbers i'm sorry and it's funny guys that you know he wasn't even the starting quarterback they picked chandler morris as a starter to start the year then max duggan didn't transfer didn't pout he just left he could have left he bided his time and look he's uh, a Heisman candidate, if we really think seriously about it, they're undefeated. I mean, there's not much to like. Now, I think their defense has taken some hits. Uh, looking at the stats, they're 73rd in scoring defense and 86th in total defense. So, And it's so funny, guys, is that they're the consummate second-half team, unlike Texas. I mean, they get behind every game. Uh, weren't they behind K-State like 28-10? to 10? At the house, 2018. Yeah, at the house. But, boy, they're a confident bunch. And, boy, you better have some killer instinct if you get a lead on on these Horn Frogs. I just think it's I a sexy matchup. The yeah. consummate second-half team against a team that's a consummate first-half team. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the like the tortoise and the hare. You just expect the horns to, to run out to, like, a 50-yard lead, and then you're going to look up – around that bend, and here come the Froggies. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a fourth-quarter game. I think I think if Texas scores three points in the second half this week, they're going to get beat. Yeah. They're going to get beat. Right. It's not going to be enough because it's a veteran group, and they're, they're basically a, a mirror image of Texas offensively except that max duggan has been far more consistent than quinn yours mm-hmm. they have their own superstar running back in kendra miller Very they nice. have they have some good receivers and so it, it's got it's going to be which team takes care of the ball and both both have taken care of the ball pretty well this year uh, quinn had his hiccup but he was decent last week so it's going to be the team that takes care of the ball late, the 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 running back who has the better game, and uh, somewhere down the down the stretch, the quarterback either be Max Duggan or Quinn Ewers going to have to make a big boy play to get this win. Um, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I, I I'm I'm looking more forward to this one than I was looking forward to the Alabama game. Real talk. Yeah, it's been interesting just to see kind of how Sonny's been able to get these uh, TCU players to buy in. I mean, we saw this TCU team last year when they played Texas and Bijan ran all over them. So we know how 
not good of a team TCU was. Sonny knows how not good they were. I mean, SMU beat TCU last year. Um, they were picked to finish seventh, I believe, in the preseason preseason polls. I guess it just shows how much us media members don't know. But you know, <laughs> nine and zero is nine. Oh, that's that's really impressive, and um, that's definitely a good job they've done. And we'll see if they can keep it up. Because um, if they get if they get past Texas this week, I mean, you could really make an argument that that's a playoff team. I think they'd have to get past Baylor the following week, but that's a clear path to 12-0 if they can get out of Austin um, with a win this victory. Uh, the game on Saturday, 6.30 p.m. on ABC, college game day will be on campus um, in the morning. So if you had fun with that at Alabama, uh, you can make yourself a very, very long day um, on the Texas campus with all the festivities that will be that will be going on. But, you know, we, we got to talk about it. Patterson Palooza. Um, obviously, Gary is working here at Texas now. Kirk, I know you're writing about that for this weekend. Um, lots of Gary Patterson questions um, on Monday to the players. And Steve, the players were obviously coached very well because they were not giving us much um, whenever Gary's uh, Gary's name uh, was brought up. So shout out to the coaching job by uh, John Bianco and his crew because the players, uh, they didn't buy it. They can be undisciplined sometimes on the field, but they were very disciplined with the, with the media members um, on, on Monday. But you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, this defense is playing better. How much credit does Gary Patterson get for that, or um, do we need to be shifting that focus elsewhere? Yeah, we probably need to focus it on Kwiatkowski, I think, because, I mean, everything the players and Sark was telling us on uh, Monday was, well, you know, he can't coach at all. He can't do anything on Saturdays. He can kind of be in meetings. And I, I got this vision of Gary Patterson sticking Post-it notes on players' lockers or in the coaches' offices, you know, and takes like, you know, he's there from midnight till four in the morning and, and breaking down film. But uh, it's funny because I was asking Sark, uh, has Gary been working on TCU and beating TCU 24-7 this entire season? And he kind of turned that to, you know, praising Gary's work ethic. said, oh, I think he's 24-7 on beating everybody. And and we were joking and, and said no, we're joking, like, all the players were downplaying it. Yeah, he's a great guy, great defensive mind. He knows these players that TC recruited him, and and but it, you know it's no big deal and everything. And so said that we're talking about. Well, I could just see Texas beat uh, TCU, and they're carrying Gary Patterson off field <laughs> on their shoulders. You know, but it's no big deal. No big deal. So, no big deal. But the little generals getting carried off. <laughs> I mean, we do. It's such a mysterious thing that uh, I think he deserves some credit, but it's. Pete quits Kowski's defense, good or bad, I think. Hey, do y'all think – I got to ask y'all this. If they beat TCU, are they going to rush the field? I don't think they are. Jim Vertuno <laughs> thinks they will from AP. I, I do so. not see – that's beneath Texas. The a no. win over TCU is not going to be a field storming. They would have They would have stormed the field had they beaten Alabama. Yeah, Gary Patterson will storm the field. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Hello. What do you think? What I mean, <clears throat> talk about Gary all year long, you two. I mean, how much credit do, do you think he deserves or blame for that matter? Well, he deserves some credit. Um, you know, you asked Snacks, Colbert, and Keandre, the hero from the K-State game, about him. Coach Davis is my, my coach. Coach Davis is my coach. Right. That's it. Coach Davis. Like, yeah. And then he begins to then he he erected a statue to you know <laughs> a burnt offering to Coach Davis. But um, 
I know the popular thing is to give GP credit and to blame PK when things go wrong, but I really believe that Gary Patterson has been an integral part of everything that's gone on in there. And um, a couple of, I, I know a couple of people close to the situation that told me GP is very involved. They, they will always downplay it, but he's very involved and he knows these players are playing against and his fingerprints, footprints will be all over the proceedings. Will it be enough to get a win? I don't know. These guys, these guys are playing as, as well as anyone in the country. And they're the surprise team in America, them in Kansas, I believe. And um, Texas is going to have their hands full. And I, right now on Tuesday, November 8th, I don't know who I'm picking yet. Yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, I do think that Gary credit is overblown. Um, whenever Texas has a bad game on defense, no one says anything about Gary Patterson. Um, people still want to fire PK, but no one says anything about a bad game plan that Gary that Gary helped uh, design. But obviously, you know, having him in the room can't, can't hurt. Um, having his knowledge and having him as someone you can – bounce stuff off of, you know, not only the defensive staff, but Steve as well. I mean, that's a, that's an asset to have in your program, but I would say, you know, a second year in PK scheme is probably the most beneficial thing to this defense. Then you look at that last play at the Kansas state game, look who's on the field. Ovi was on the field. That's a fifth or fifth year guy. Keandre was on the field, fifth year guy. DeMarvion, uh, Deshaun Jamison, those are fifth-year guys. More Ojima was on the field. Jalen Ford is probably maybe the best defensive player in this uh, conference. That's a third-year linebacker. I just think those guys growing up, getting um, you know some some experience, becoming vets on this defense, I think that's um, those two things I would credit more than Gary Patterson, although I'm sure that he has helped the situation and Texas is glad to have him on staff. I also think that this is one of those things where Steve's policy of having – assistants not talk to the media hurts um, the assistants. I think if, you know, people were able to talk to Pete and people knew him a little bit more, um, maybe people would be more willing to give him credit or able to ask him questions about, you know, what he's doing defensively and stuff like that. But people know Gary, um, people don't really know PK. And I think that is maybe a reason why more credit is shifted towards Gary than, than PK. But, you know, I, I don't think Steve is going to change his mind or his ways just because of uh because of how, how perceptions are with his defensive staff, but that's just kind of my read on the on the situation. Well, I, I tried to get uh, an interview with Gary Patterson, and John Bianco said no, no interviews with assistant coaches. And I said, Gary's not going to show up on the game day uh, desk for an interview, is he? And uh, John said, no, no, they tried, they wanted to interview him, as does everybody, but uh, they said no go. So I guess Sark Sark rules and. Uh, We'll see how much uh, impact uh, Gary does have on Saturday. We'll see about that game day thing. Maybe, maybe Gary will be the celebrity picker. Um, <laughs> uh, enough about the enough about the coaches. Let's talk about the players. Um, we've mentioned a couple guys, Max uh, Duggan. We've mentioned Kendra Miller, but who is if you you can talk about those two if you like? But who is one horned frog that you were keeping an eye on um, this weekend? But Quentin um, Johnson for me, yeah, boy, yeah. he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. You know, mm -hmm. not just the Big Twelve, and I, I imagine you two would agree with me. He, you know, he's been talked about like a first round draft pick, and uh, boy, he got great hands, great routes, and I know he only played like what a series against Texas Tech, and 
So, you know, his status is in doubt. Uh, uh, said they're supposed to speak to Sonny Dykes uh, on our uh, podcast this week. So maybe we'll, uh, you know, you know, see what information he gets. But I think they've got good receivers, but boy, I think he's just the head of the snake. Don't you, said? Yeah, I do. But the guy, Max Duggan, is the straw that stirs that drink. And oh, yeah. we know that that quarterbacks who can move around and run have given this defense some problems. And you know, Max, Max Duggan is, is moving and grooving. He's dropped some weight. He's in better shape. He's um, making people miss in the open field. I'm not as I am not as worried about him if I'm Texas as a passer than I am as a as a guy that can move the chains with his feet, making those plays off schedule. That's going to be the thing. And well, this is a real this is a real interesting study of quarterbacks. Now, Quinn can run a little bit. Quinn is not a spot. I mean, he's not a sloth. He does prefers not to, but he's shown that he can run a little bit. But Max Duggan can change games with his feet, and that's that's what PK and and GP and Bo Davis gonna have to be really really cognizant of because um, you can make all the right assignments, make all the right reads, and and diagnose everything right, but a quarterback that can that can make plays off schedule can give you fits, and that would that that would be the thing that would keep me up at night the night before the game if I'm the Texas defensive staff. And they're used to seeing those guys, Spencer Sanders, Bryce Young, uh, the Tech quarterback, Adrian Martinez. I mean, they're used to seeing dual-threat quarterbacks. So who, who's focusing on, uh, Danny? I'll break the tie. Obviously, Max Duggan has beat Texas twice. He is a good a good quarterback, and um, no Texas fan should be overlooking him. But I'm, I'm looking forward to Quentin Johnson. I hope he's healthy. I hope he gets to line up against Ryan Watts. I just hope that matchup Ooh, that matchup happens. Um, that would be a lot of fun to watch. And if uh, Quentin Johnson um, catches the game-winning touchdown pass, uh, Steve can go back in his locker room and blame Gary Patterson because Gary flipped uh, Quentin because Quentin was at one time a Texas commit um, when he was out at Temple High School. So we can, uh, you know, I guess I'll uh, credit or blame Gary regardless of what happens because if uh, – the defense, uh, the defense, you know, stops a uh, TCU. Gary can get some credit, but if Quentin Johnson has a good game, I guess Gary gets some credit there too. So either way, Gary Patterson shining this weekend. Um, but let's uh, let's shift from the um, football field. Obviously, number eighteen versus number four matchup is big, but there's some stuff, other stuff going on, on campus. This is a busy, busy weekend. We're gonna start basketball. Um, you two were at the Moody Center last night for the first official basketball game at the Moody Center. Um, Texas, which is ranked 12th in the preseason AP poll, beat UTEP by 15 points. Um, overall impressions of this Texas team, overall impressions of the Moody Center. Um, just what what you think when you guys were out there? It's great. It's 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 a wonderful it's a wonderful venue. The crowds were wonderful. Um, we we're gonna we got a little issue with our seating that that I think <laughs> that we can fix, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But just just a just a beautiful beautiful arena. Guys were slipping around, Daniel. You'll, you'll. I wonder if that's going to happen when the girls play on Friday. But guys were slipping around a lot on that floor, and um, you know, because Beard didn't want to talk about it. But uh, overall, uh, just, just, just a wonderful atmosphere. I know Duck's doing a story on the, on the atmosphere on the building. 
As far as the team's concerned, some new faces, Jabari Rice, Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell. Those guys are going to be fun. And they and they join those old heads who are back. Marcus Carr and Christian Bishop, Timmy Allen. Um, they're uh, Brock Cunningham. They're going to be really, really good. They're going to go ten deep, and um, can they score enough? I think I think they're going to be able to score enough. Uh, but um, I give it I give it an A. Um, you know, because who cares what the media thinks about seating? Everywhere else, I give it an A, and it's going to be fun. And uh, Doug, you remember this? Coach Joe Golding of uh, UTEP goes. They got this. Ain't no this ain't no concert arena. They got them a basketball gym now, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, it seemed like an NBA arena. I mean, it was you know over eleven thousand. The seating capacity is supposed to be, I think, ten thousand seven sixty three. But they have a standing room only in, up in the rafters section. The party about pit, like the Cowboys. Yeah, I had about 600 uh, students up there. And the thing I like about this, and I'm writing about it for tomorrow, is that, you know, if you think of the lower bowl, 360 degrees, students sit in 270 of those 360 degrees from baseline to baseline and behind both benches. And that's something Texas never had, didn't have that at uh, Irwin Center, where get those know, wine and cheesers out, yeah. out of out of the hot spots. I it should like be for it. the students. It should be for the I students. I like it. And they've got this, you know, corral. They call it Matthew McConaughey was not there, by the way. Um, so they're catering to the students, and uh, that's the atmosphere. You know, Chris Beard built in Lubbock, and he's trying to build here in Austin. So. Uh, there was a lot of energy there. And, you know, like said, said, I think they'll be able to score. You know, Chris was talking about they only scored 72 points against UTEP and said, well, I think we probably could have had 80, but we were trying to control the game and win it there at the end. And UTEP's not a bad team. They won 20 games last year and Joe Golding knows how to beat Texas. So, but they got so many athletes. I don't know how many great shooters they have. I think Jabari Rice is going to be a great shooter. Marcus Carr still kind of iffy. Up and down, but uh, going to play good defense or you're not going to get on the floor for Chris Beard. Houston Christian comes to town on Thursday. That crowd may not be as excited as the following Wednesday when Gonzaga's here um, for it should be a, a great matchup. For whatever reason, all these games are at 8 or 8.30. I'm not really sure. I guess they're not uh, tending to those of us who'd like to go to go to sleep at a reasonable hour, but head on to the Moody Center for that. Um, this season, you said you mentioned a couple, a couple players who is one player for both of you that um, is going to be the key to success for this Longhorn team? Me, Tyrese Hunter. This, he's a real point guard. Mm-hmm. They finally have a real point guard, and they can play Marcus Carr off the ball now, where he's probably going to be more effective. And Tyrese Hunter can break down a defense and get easy shots in the paint. Uh, he's six feet tall, but he plays a lot bigger. Uh, he can distribute the ball. You know, he's an Iowa State transfer. He knows these Big 12 streets. Uh, I, I really think that he's going to be the head of the snake on this team. And they have they have a lot of talent. But the guy that's got the ball the most is going to be the most impactful. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a big key. But I love Jabari Rice from New Mexico State. Played four years there and has played in the NCAA tournament. Knows how to win. Joe Golding was going on and on. It, and – Jabari Rice said, yeah, we I played UTEP eight times, you know, in my career at New Mexico State, and they're, UTEP's sick of him. But he's a guy that can get his own shot off, and that's 
the thing with him and Tyrese, they got to be able to get their shot or create their shot because it's in the Texas team. You dump it inside to a six eleven guy because they don't have one and just you know create offense that way. So they're going to run more. Chris Beard was very pointed about that. We're going to push the tempo, but I think Jabari Rice could be you know said they got they got to have that one guy you can okay we got to have a bucket. You know they're losing to Kansas by one. 12 seconds left, who gets the ball? And it's probably going to be in Tyrese Hunter or Jabari Rice's hands for that last shot. I don't think they trust Marcus Carr uh, unless he's playing in an NCAA tournament game. So, uh, but right now, the Midwest, yeah. My money would be on Hunter or Jabari Rice, I think, take that last shot. Let's talk about the the women, the Texas women. They start their season on Friday. Uh, This will be Vic Schaefer's third season, first two, Elite Eights. They're trying to get past that hump, get to that Final Four. Uh, same question. We just talked um, about the men. Who is one? What? Who is the one? Longhorn. Who's the key to success? There's some returners who could be the answer. There's some newcomers who could be this answer. Uh, Kirk, we'll start with you. Well, you know, Rory Harmon is the head of that women's snake, and uh, boy, she makes that machine go. And just a terrific player. And she's going to score. What she had about eleven a game last year, but you know, five assists, four rebounds a game. So she can do it all. She's going to fill up the stat sheet, but I love a lot more, you know, uh, out of Oklahoma. She's a sophomore, you know, missed a lot of time with, I guess it was an ankle injury last year. And, but she really came on, you know, in the NCAA tournament and, uh, you know, they almost knocked off uh, Stanford, uh, which won the national championship. So I think her presence down low uh, could be a huge difference maker for uh, Vic Schaefer's bunch. And, you know, I'm sure Vic's making that goal of Final Four. He he's not settling for Elite Eights anymore, and he's won 50 games in two years. So I I think uh, a lot more may be the, may the big key to me. I think it's Aaliyah, but that's a cultural thing. Just as long as you spell it right. Um, I Roy Harmon is that girl. She is that girl, and I think she's gonna have to score more. This year, she's shown she's she scored over 30 in a game, and she's shown she can score the ball. And I think that she's going to have to take on a little bit more of a selfish um, tent when it comes to playing uh, this position. Um, interested to see what the Shea Gonzalez is going to do, the transfers from BYU. She can fill it up. Uh, Western Cope, WCC Player of the Year, I believe. Um, scored a ton. At BYU, uh, we'll see if she can get her shot off in the Big 12. That's a deal. That's a real deal. They they play harder defense in this conference. So if she can get her – I like to look at it this way. If she can get her shot off in practice, then she'll be able to get her shot off in the Big 12. Because, you know, Vic Schaefer is going to test her, going to find out what he's got. She's a big guard. She's 5'10". She's mature. She's from Dallas area. So uh, this is the homecoming of sorts for her. Um, whatever can take the heat off of Rory and Aaliyah Moore um, is going to be great. Now, uh, Daniel, what's the latest on uh, Kendall Hunter? What's the latest on her? Because we know what she can do. She's still away from the team for personal reasons. Um, Vic seemed kind of optimistic that she they may get her back at some point last time we talked, but – those situations, you never know. You just hope the players and the young, uh, the the youngsters are taking care of their mental health and absolutely um, doing what they need to do. But to answer the questions, it is Aaliyah. Um, 
And she's my answer. Obviously, Rory is Rory. She's incredible. These two, um, they brought in some good um, shooters to help this offense. But Texas is not being South Carolina unless uh, they can, you know, handle Aaliyah Boston. And that's going to be partially Aaliyah Moore's responsibility, partially Deanna Gaston's responsibility, Taylor Jones, the the transfer from Oregon State. So they're going to need some big play in the paint. And those three, led by Aaliyah Moore, who came on really strong at the end of last season, are going to lead that charge. But obviously this is a team that they're going to have. Shea Holly deserves to be in this conversation too. They're going to have, you know, seven, eight players that they're going to depend on, especially come um, come March and some of these freshmen that they're going to want to to step up as well. So, I mean, it's it's a deep team, uh, maybe a little bit deeper in past uh, past years. They need to figure out what they're doing defensively. Vic is not happy um with how they're playing defense right now but Vic is never happy with how his teams are playing defense that's not, not Vic a is never happy and that is, that is also true but they did lose their probably their two best defenders Audrey Warren and um Joanne Allen Taylor so they kind of need to step up and Rory Parvin is going to lead lead that charge but uh, let's talk about the other sports before we get out of here before, um, before you get there no one stop is going to stop Aaliyah Boston that's just not happening not until she gets to the WNBA, and it's still going to be a problem for whoever lines up against her. She's a beast. She's a beast, and she will win Player of the Year again. She's a beast. It helps that Paige Becker's out for the year with UConn, right? Who they play Monday? Not worried about. You weren't worried about Paige before. I mean, no, she's a hell of a talent. South Carolina is that squad. Oh yeah, they're number one for a reason. Yeah. Go ahead, Daniel. There are some. There's a lot of talent in the women's basketball game, but yes, Aaliyah Boston is, I think, the cream, the cream of that crop. But there, there's some talent down the, down the way, including at Texas. But um, Texas volleyball, they're home on Wednesday against Iowa State, same Iowa State team that beat Texas a couple weeks ago. So I'm sure there's some Longhorns looking for revenge. They head to Oklahoma on Saturday. Texas is back to being number one in the ABCA poll. Was off last week because of uh, um, some illnesses at TCU they had to forfeit that match Texas hasn't played in a little bit so we'll see if there's any rust on Wednesday night Texas soccer um they'll be home on Friday uh the, the women's basketball team plays at seven at the Moody Center over at Myers Stadium at five o'clock Texas is hosting uh Texas A&M in their first round game of the NCAA tournament so good luck parking in the Manor garage if you have a pass to that garage it should be quite congested and quite quite fun and then um Signing day is on Wednesday for all the non-football sports. So uh, baseball, softball, that, the basketball teams, you can get to know your future future Longhorns on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday, the On Second Thought podcast will drop. Uh, Kirk, you hinted at, it, hinted at it. Big guest this week. Is there anything else you want to say about the podcast before we get out of here? Well, we had to miss last week. Said uh, lost his voice in Indianapolis cheering for Sam Ellinger, I guess. So uh, we're itching to get back behind the microphone. and. Uh, Hopefully, Sunny Sunny D will lay some knowledge on us. Sunny D, <laughs> it's happening. All right, about we're the Bring it out here. Uh, busy week on campus. We hope you check out statesman.com throughout the week to see what we're writing, whether it's basketball, volleyball, soccer. Uh, we had a soccer story in today, so or online today. I think it's going in tomorrow's paper. But lots of content, obviously, on Saturday. We'll have all the Texas TCU coverage. All three of us will be at the stadium for that one. And um, we'll be back here next Tuesday for another Longhorn Confidential video. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all later.